0: Read please in the third chapter of the book of Judges, verse eight. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and they sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, and the children of Israel served Cushan-Rishathaim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer. Now look at verse. Twelve, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, verse 14, so the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. Now, chapter 4, please. Verse 1, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. When Ehud was dead, and the Lord showed them into the hand of Jabin king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harassah of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had nine hundred chariots of land, and twenty years. He mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidim, he judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinadab, arch of Kedesh Naphtali. And said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded thee, Go and draw toward my tabernacle, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon. Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariot and his multitudes, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou will go with me, then I will go, but if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor. For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah rose and went to Baruch the kid. And then you have the battle, and you have the Sisera being put to death by jail. That's the woman referred to in verse 9. And um, Verse 23. So God subdued on that day Gibbon, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Gibbon, the king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Gibbon, Gibbon king of Canaan. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Avalon, on that day, saying, Praise be the Lord! for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. Then you have that long song that continues right down to the end of verse 31, to the end of the chapter. So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. But let them that love heaven be as the sun when he goeth forth in his night, and the land had rest forty years. Now that will be for i For the sake of any who were not here yesterday evening, it's our purpose during the five nights that we intend in here to speak on the book of Judges and to see the experience of Israel as a certain picture gallery for learning lessons for ourselves. And we have looked upon it as describing the seriousness of departure from God, the distress that inevitably follows departure, and then God, in much less grace, working deliverance by raising up a deliverer. Now you know that the book of Judges is just a series of that, I mean the body of the book. We pointed out that there was the large metal section that has really uh, given us this in repeated form. Time and again, Israel departs. Israel goes into bondage. Then Israel cries, and then God hears, and deliverance is brought. That is repeated and repeated and repeated, right throughout the chapters of the book of Judges. You will notice that the Spirit of the Lord is very careful to indicate the time factor in this book. That means, it's carefully noted, the number of years that they were in bondage. And then it's also equally carefully noted, the number of years they have rest. So that you would have maybe eight years, maybe 18 years, and maybe 20 years. I think we were maybe in those periods tonight in part of our reading. That is, certain period spent. And then we're told about the number of years that they rest continued after the Lord arrived at Now every one of you likely here has been through many meetings know right well that there is an answer to the problem of years in the chronology of the Old Testament in the dates or the years that are mentioned here. You've always heard a point about that there's a very uh, serious difficulty reconciling two numbers that are given in your Bible the number that's given in the book of the Acts, and the number that is given in the first book of Kings, that is, as to the length of the period of the Judges. And it has often equally clearly been pointed out that God has two ways of reckoning time, And that is, if you want to reconcile the two numbers, you subtract the years of bondage that are given in the book of Judges, and you discover that the two, then, two numbers are great. What does that teach us? It teaches us that as far as God's blessing was concerned, those years in bondage that were spent under the heel of various enemies are not taken into account as the years of freedom from slavery. They are omitted in one of the calculations. Whereas we might call it the ordinary historian, he would cover the whole ground. Without taking any notice whatever of those years of bondage. What does that picture? You? What you've often been hearing lately from the same prophecies that there is such a thing as a child of God losing time. you thought, you know, that there could be gaps in a man's life. Gaps in. I tremble to think of this. Waste. When a man's away from God, out of those paths of God's living, out of touch with the Lord, and streams from his God, he's wasting time. And it could be, when we reach the judgment seat of Christ, our length of stay on earth will not be so much measured by the years we lived down here according to the reckoning of man. But it could be that when we reach the judgment seat of Christ, it will be the years we spent for the glory of God. And those are the only years that are, of us, that are worth thinking of us, and are worth approval as far as God is concerned. There is a matter that I think should give us double. I think it should give us <laughs> that Look at it. Not all through our little crowd, there are those who once were suffering and spiritual, enjoying the assembly and the things of God, and something has come into their life. Never not known to anyone but themselves, and they have begun to fear and they lost their joy. And they lost their fellowship with God. Many of them have lost interest in the assembly of God. And those who stay in the assembly sometimes are a trouble in it instead of a blessing in it. For when a man's away from God, he's a hell to nobody. And he's not even a joy to himself. Nor is it a cause for concern that any of our fellow believers should be losing time. Lifetimes are so short. And our days are so limited. And even in our limited lifetime, there are so few of the years that we're really physically and mentally fit to serve the Lord. Wouldn't it be a tragedy If there would be large gaps in our life, a large amount of waste in our time, and something happens, that would turn us aside from the Lord. You see, it was a great day in Israel, when the Lord reached the deliverer. Because they began then to reckon their time. Pain. pain was beginning to curse. Wonder when the clock was stopped and some of them Would it be possible that we would get with us up? And the clock's not going. We get all hard and stiff, many chairs, a lot of questions and divine things. And just all we can say is, the clock's not going. And I suppose the greatest thing that could come out of these few ministry meetings in Windsor, if we could get a few clocks going by the Friday night. Now, hope you understand my figure then. Because you... you can and you will begin to lose it. And there's nobody there. can do anything for the man who has lost con- contact with his God, and has ceased to enjoy the freedom, and the rest, and the peace, and the communion. That was won not be his to enjoy. We take a look at these passages. We see that as soon as Israel departed from the Lord, the enemy be in power. Strength. That's no, quite obvious, isn't it? Against this great
1: great power,
0: from great man Kush and Risha Fem. And what help have they against this mighty king of war? I wonder if the script power was strong on each See, friend, when Israel was getting away from God, the enemy was making the target. When Israel was losing earth, and fellowship was drawn down, the enemy was getting power. And instead of the enemy yeah. Oppressed by the power of the, h- of the hand of God, the enemy was coming up, and, and the difficulties were made. You know what I to It was the enemy's object to keep us resilient. They told to They were oppressed by the hand. You see, they were toiling as hard as ever, but they weren't toiling in joy or freedom. They were wicked yes. as hard as ever, getting nothing for God's glory. The enemy was using their strength for his purpose, Instead of God having their strength for his glory. Not, not the strength of Israel that should have been used for the Lord was used for the enemy during the birthright. And they found themselves, Now I want this point specially set tonight, they found themselves in condition not on life what they were in before the last Egypt. Now the man would be very slow in thinking that could read over the story of bondage and the deliverance wrought on this occasion and not say that was a very close connection between it and the story of the bondage there in Egypt and the deliverance wrought on that occasion. In other words if you have gone to the Israelites at the time that they were oppressed by this terrible fool, it's a uh, human power, given, not a uh, put them power under control by this child You'd have seen them just in what's the same step as they were in before the last Egypt. What does that tell me? You wouldn't need amplify it. Sure you wouldn't? Doesn't God. that tell me that a child of God, when he gets away from God? God. He's very much like in the same condition as he was in before he was sent. Now we have to admit that there's a sense resemblance between a child who's gone away from God and the pure world life. The great difference is this that the world will have no satisfy the heart of a Christian. And the man that's away from God is in a worse state than the world. For he can find neither pleasure in the things of the God, world, nor in the things of the world around him. For neither are his forces. So that they, they were draining under this power, this killing this power. And they were draining under it, lightly cutting wood, if we can gather around the meaning of that awkward word. That's mentioned here in chapter 4. They were actually put to the hearing of some For this artillery, this hard pressed people were grinding under the them. Twenty years of it, you know. Twenty years the cream out of any man's life. Twenty years sets the cream out of any man's life. And if a man had been, say, twenty five or thirty, when this trouble started, the cream would have been off them before it was over. Now, you know that. Oh, the army would stop the very best of them all. There are many of God's dear children. Mind you, we don't want to be hard with them. Far from us. And there must be powerful men so for God. Even in the city of Bethlehem. And there are more or less marking times. Going round and sound when then may have been giants and things of God. Maybe that's solemn. Not so long. Maybe no. Not fair enough of But what makes me feel so sure about this chapter is this. That in the days of Joshua, these this very people were defeated and their targets were burned. And you'd really have thought if you had only the book of Joshua. That that enemy was finished with for all time. But the next time they made chariots, they made sure they wouldn't burn them. So they made the matter of iron. And you couldn't burn the iron. So the idea was this, that we are not only now dealing with an enemy, powerful as he was when Joshua had to deal with him, but now he is strengthening God in the, the mean and they're stronger now than ever. You know, there's a little thing you sing, I'm sure, sometimes, relative to uh, matters along this line. Each victory will help Thank you some other to win. But I was going to say that each defeat makes a part of the winner. And the man that goes down finds it very difficult to muster the enemy afterwards. And to my mind, it was easier fighting. The people of Canaan in Joshua's day than was In what? the days of Deborah and Barak. You see what I mean? Every man and every... has had difficult? But when saints have drifted away from God, it's harder to get the ground cleared again and get on our feet again. Anyone knows there's a good deal of labor to start an assembly. I mean, scripture assembly. Some days, of course, there's new no labor at all. You just start one day like, the way you start a shop. But like, I don't mean that. I mean, the scripture assembly. And there is a good deal of labor involved. A good deal of praying and a good deal of preaching and a good deal of uh, struggling and a good deal of opposition to overcome. But to my mind, it would even be easier. Don't the got us drifted away from God. You'll find it more difficult to get them back into their early frighten After they have departed from the Lord, the labor involved will be so dead. you remember, dear Paul, man who tried, none of us will ever do? And you remember those Galatian churches? Those Galatian churches yes. have, have great had a deal. Of, gave a great deal of burden to his heart. And you remember how he says that he is revealed in prayer again that Christ never formed in you. You nearly think that his second agony, his second burden, was even greater than his former burden. It was more difficult to get them revived than it was even to see the work commence at the beginning. And I hear men saying, you know. I think if you come round to our place and have a few ministering meetings, you'd maybe, you'd just maybe bring our little meeting. But I wonder what the think they are. I wonder do you think that we are so shallow. for minister the word of God us to believe that you can lift Christians in a matter of a few nights or that you can get them the so right away. Not at all, dear brother.
1: You'd find maybe when
0: they end we oh, week for a month or some of them might be a hard of us. There's not a turn. There's not a move of repentance. There's not even a cry from their soul to get back to God in fellowship with him. Again, we take a look at this. And we see that it feels harder. They are very harder. What is troubling them is this? That they know right well they haven't the a chance against their insurance. Not a chance. Every time they hear one of those rattling, they would say, Now, that's, that's trouble for us. That's trouble for us. What can we do there? What can we do with iron shark? I'm sure they some of them would have read or thought of our Joshua burning the wicked ones. Or they're only words. And the only one would have fire to them or to burn them. But now they're ironing. we can't do anything with them. We just have to stay away up in the mountains. And we have to go and hide ourselves. And go about to sit. We we're afraid to live. But then God intervenes. Praise his name for that. And the instruments he gives us on this occasion are very prayed, He touched up a woman. And the woman, you know, brought in the trouble of the beginner, And many a the trouble they brought in first. But thank God there are occasions when God has pleased to live. honor the weaker vessel. Possibly to humble the nation all the more. And she evidently had the mind of the Spirit of God. She had the mind of God. You know, it's it's lovely to see her. A woman with the fellowship of God that she had... And the revelation from God that she experienced, her will to keep her place. You know what somebody like that these days? It would be a whole run if they didn't get a meeting to themselves. And there'll be as many would push them under the play. Well, sure you know as well as you it. Know, she has the revelation of
1: God, different.
0: and would we dare to stop the like of her? You see, that would be the whole argument. And yet she knows her place and keeps it. She doesn't say, well, come on, boys, and we'll get the swords out, and we'll go and face the foe and face the enemy. She does nothing like that. What she really does is this. She calls for another. One that she knows is capable of leading. And she brings him to the floor. And she says, now you lay. And the Lord is with you. And the Lord will deliver. The king you answered your have. The battle is joined. Now remember, God's doing this strategy here. He's giving the instructions. And he's drawing the enemy into a place where he can defeat them. And what do you, he's bringing them into a place where chariots could operate most successfully. He's bringing them into the valley. And he's doing more than that. He's sending him on in on fruit. For it's distinctly stated that the warrior here, directed by the Spirit of God through Deborah, he has to go in on first. Mind you, it must have been not on like this when David went with a sling and stone. But I take it that the Book of judges was the most encouraging book for David. They could see what men could do with very little. There was enough go gears in the previous chapter to what we are considering. When they weren't allowed the weapons of war, when they'll just pick up something else. You no, know, you don't need a great deal of equipment. Some people that have no machinery can do nothing. If there's only a bit of an organ or something. that will have to have some kind of machinery around it, and you would have to have some sort of a thing to keep the show going. What you see, a man with enough gold. I am it too with we good enough when God's For God has made it. And he says, now the Lord she says may the Lord will be with you. I don't know whether he stumbled at the knees or not. I'm not saying he was a great hero. There's one thing he wanted Deborah to come with him anyhow. He, he apparently didn't want to face the thing with her having her guidance on her in Leitman because it was spiritual guidance she had one that she was dictating to him now don't misread the passages because the prophetess was getting revelations from God and she was passing them on you remember we have a number some of you can write them down some day or other a number of prophetesses in the Bible perhaps seven of them or there are there. you can take a note of them someday when you're not too busy and he has divine revelation for what she says. Yes. And
1: Barak goes ahead, of us.
0: he has directed, and goes into the valley to meet the chariots. Now he knows where he's living. And said, yes. and God said, I the chariots said, had been sleeping in his bed. Now don't forget that. But that's not the way God's battles are fought. Don't they say, well, you know, I'm a strong believer in election and that God has chosen people and he said them sure I don't need to be excited about them. but that's not the way God has wrought and I'm going to stay with God's way he says go and preach some men say well what's the use of going to preach when you can send the message over the air over the air you don't need to go you've got to get your feet on the desk before you and the tape recorder or something like that and you can send it to the end of the air and that's true but to go. we might as well keep the God's way God says to go. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God says to go. And God is ways of fighting these battles. He couldn't have smitten the giant left the faiths gave her up with any flesh snucked the murder in a out of a minute. We know that. We can do that he let a man go with a slinging stone and do it and mind do, you don't you forget that God is still ways of acting and we needn't try to change them why does he do that why does he do that oh but we would be terribly grieved if he didn't what does he do he wants to give us opportunities to trust them he wants to open up the way for us to act on his grace and power he wants to show to us what he can do through his people And through the man that I ever touched with him. And that is why he allows this man to face the type. Now how did the battle go? Oh, very simple. The stars fought. Apparently, from the heavens there came a deluge. Apparently the river overflowed. And the waters rose up on the top of the very ground where his chariots were maneuvering. And they began to swing, And the horse's house went down into the soft mud. And they couldn't turn away. It just plunged down until they couldn't. Oh, oh. Big Charles, Charlots are You don't need a match to burn those things. When they're stuck in the mud, they're not doing anybody harm. And the very man that was leaving the bottle, instead of staying by the very implement and the instrument that he depended upon for his victory, he jumps up. He just and he runs on first. You see, he just ended up the way Varak Bhajan. Varak Bhajan on the first, and he ended up on the first. You see, he was no better than the man that was opposed. Let's see, brother. I'll never perhaps be able to learn it truly, myself, But I try and teach it, and I hope I learn a lesson. If you have God with you, your difficulties begin to vanish. Now they do. And what looks as insurmountable problems, they just didn't And you could hardly explain why they disappeared Of her limit. Many men have bowed down the times and they have seen themselves in strips. And they have concluded, no, I'm missing. I don't see a hope. i never lift <laughs> my head again. The enemy has gained the day. I haven't a hope. And they then die and your mother's say. Sometimes not on their knees merely. Some of you young men don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes on their very faces. And they've cried out to God. Couldn't even see how he would work for them. Couldn't even guess the way he would deliver them. Couldn't even tell anybody that they had hopes of deliverance. For it looks so sad. But they began to say that God over God over. We love to sing those words, God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders do perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rains upon the storm. And so, dear souls, here's a man. He has proved in a miraculous way that God's gain and his submission and simple trust in God was enough to vanish the not a non-spirit man. But you say, what about sister? I don't need that And as you know, as you know, the story really is linked with three women. I've already spoken of Deborah, the Providence. And mm-hmm. then we have another woman coming into the story. And she is Jehovah. And she is in the tent. Ancestor goes in or is invited in, and he lies down and he goes to sleep, and she gives him some milk, and then she takes the tent pin and hammers it through his head. You say that was cruel. Was that just meeting out to him what he intended meeting out to the Israelites? And that's just God's judgment on that wicked hearted man that he intended. You not you misread the passage, he intended bringing damsels from Israel whom to his soldiers, capture the young girls, take them away captive, to misuse them, and use them for his own lustful purpose. And now he finds that God has overtaken him before he can commit his grief, his grievous sin, and go through a that ass to them and driven and entered the very ground, as it were, with a See, so you, you said, there were three women there. Now, he you didn't notice the third one. And here's that. I said, Mother, and what was she thinking? Oh, he's soon the home with that day. Sister, and my son was soon the home. he has been bringing home the damsels. he has been bringing home the spoil. he has been bringing home the game. Why, yeah. he's not coming the wheels of his chariot. The but he's not coming and he's at His wheels were stuck. He wasn't bringing home the wheels. He didn't say, he wasn't bringing them home. And there was no damsel far home with him. A had already put one thing through his head. And he here, his mother, was her in the home. He must be gathering up a lot of spoilers, keeping them a long time out of Her dreams of great victory were only shadows to disappear like the mist before the rising sun. Now, what do you notice? The link between that and the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, you remember, Pharaoh drowned the Israelites. God took him out and drowned him. In the book of Exodus, Pharaoh sees the rare sheep and the primitive. and he says in his heart, Oh, the we'll second! This is our best advantage. We we'll never had to bring our hands in before. But the very object that he looked upon, as guaranteeing his success was the very place where he lost all. His chariots were his boast as a warrior, and they were a lot of footmen,
1: a lot of
0: humble, weak, captives just freed from the bondage and slavery of brickmaking. And where are they? They're standing, turning! But there was chariots are sinking on the bottom of the Red Sea. And just as the floods and the rains had uh, did away with the power of Cisus' chariots, so the power of Pharaoh's chariots came to an end, and they did not escape. When all victories were over, let us answer to them. Deborah wouldn't let like this to die out in the memory of people. You know, it's not only ground to have restoration. But it's where to keep it in mind. It was meant to be talked about. She says, when you're around the well, when you will gather around their some of like the way we would do in our country, gathering around the fire. No, I suppose that's out of date. Now, you'd have to keep modern. I don't know what way you would describe it now. But in our early day, we gathered around the fire at night, but we can't the They gathered around the well. Warm climate, you see, they gathered around the wells, and when they'd been uh, watering the flock, they'll start to talk about the general things that had happened. And what were they to talk about? Oh, she says, Here's the story, tell it again! Tell it again, how God has wrought! Saying the praises of the Lord. Isn't she, as it were, completing the picture of Exodus? For just as Exodus 14 shows us the deliverance from the power of Egypt. After the fifth thing is the song that is to the sung. We have to sing about it. We have to sing about it. You know that that psalm that we preach to sinners, psalm 51, is David really singing about his restoration? you have to admit that. And maybe a good many here would agree. That is very strong in Psalm 32 and again in Psalm 103 are celebrating this new event. One taking up as it were where the other leaves off. <clears throat> I've come to the conclusion many things that the child of God that has lost his joy and lost his soul is not in a good state of soul. He's maybe got sorrowed over something. He's maybe got disappointed in somebody. And he hasn't trusted somebody and they've let him down. And you know, you'd hardly expect it to be otherwise. Mr. Allen used to tell us, you know, whenever I hear a man saying, that so-and-so let me down. You see, I just concluded he was trusting so-and-so and he would never have let him down. So sometimes if we didn't trust people, they would never let us down. Well, it doesn't take much sometimes to wither us up, But here is the stone to the sun. Now the song divides in three major parts.
1: And each of those
0: parts, again, is subdivided into three parts. I suppose that's the really funny. I might mean, you could have written to that about, make about nine parts, if you would multiply that all out. That's not a big thing. But something like that is the way that it can be divided. Now, before she goes far in the sun, she says, "Now the Lord's to Prince. i And why is he to a praise. She remembers. She remembers the beginning of Israel's experience. When the very mountain to above, and when the powers of Sinai, and the powers of Edom, and the powers of the enemy seem to the before the marching armies of Israel, praise the Lord, would be her theme. As she thinks of that. Mind you, dear soul, it does us no harm to go back to early days in the New Testament. To think of how the Lord wrought with the early believers. And remember that God is our God. And mustn't it have been a thrill to her? Now get this well into her mind. That in the darkest days of the judges, that she in her day and generation could see deliverances wrought very much akin to to what had been experienced by the mission in its very infant death. When we in our day, oh, you say, but there are troubles in the Lord, And conditions in the assemblies are far from what they ought to be. And there are certain problems now that never had to be suffered by the saints before. And there are temptations for young people now that never were endured before. But well, who's denying that? Is God anything the less because of that? Is His power diminished because of changing times in this world? Is the fact that many are unhappy now with simple assembly life <laughs> no, the way for forefathers were? Is that going to wear? change the power of God? Is not going to make it impossible? for us in our day to rise to heights that we enjoyed by former generations. You know what encourages me? I don't know about you, but it does encourage me that there was no more power available to Paul than there is to me. For somebody, you think you're Paul. you're never did. and you never hear me saying it. you even give that impression. But I'm still in the dead. There never was any more power available to Paul than there is to me. And the wicked believe I here. Has as much power at his disposal, or her disposal, as ever a child of God experienced on earth. Wouldn't it be a pity if we had blocked the tunnel through which that power may operate? If we would hinder that from working? If our lack of confidence in God, if our lack of dependence upon God, our lack of communion with God, our lack of the fear of God, our lack of obedience to God would in any way diminish our usefulness in the darkest day that has ever been known in the north of Ireland. I say that to her for I mean since the days of our forefathers. Then she contrasts those memorable days, those balmy days, and she contrasts that with the times when she came into the picture. And she says the there were sad days. The highways were deserted. People had to slip into byways. And there was fear under dread of every heart. far times, the federal, the nation of Israel. Fear troubled us. And difficulties, unthought of in earlier times, began to be their life. Those parts of the land that used to be pleasant places to move about in, <coughs> they began to get afraid to go near them. You know, there's some no places I'd be afraid to go near. You wouldn't have the setting. You wouldn't have the setting. You begin to get afraid when conditions get hard and serious. The things are them. and the people have to slip about as they were on the track. And case they would be discovered. Why? Because the enemy was rampant. And the enemy had power. And things were at a low end. But she says, until I gather right she says, there's going to be, there's someone to sing about now. Why? Because there's deliverance. Speak ye that ride upon horses. And the different members of the nation should say, yes, come on. Tell about night. you're showing all about now in the wells. Sing back again to what the are screaming all along. And the times of grief and sorrow experienced earlier have come to an end. And God has again proved himself to be the God that delivered on the banks of the Red Sea. And he's the God who has now delivered on the banks of the River Kishon. She follows that up. With... Well, Verse 13, the different peoples that came to the house in the bottom. And in contrast to them, she speaks of those who refused to help. Would take nothing to do with it. She looks at the different tribes, particularly the northern tribes. How they came from here and there and yonder. How they joined the ranks of Barak and went out to battle. And she speaks highly of those who came into the fight. Some that currently did the, what we might call, staff officers. Some that jeopardered their lives. Some that ripped everything to face the chariot. To face the battle. She thinks so, of that. And then, of course, in contrast to that, she can tell about others. They came to no hurt in the battle for the simple reason is they went not got it. The battle took nothing out of them until they never went near it. They had their sheep, and they had their cattle, and they had their ships, and their boats, and their fishing, and whatever they were doing. And they just let others go ahead. Have you notice that in most of the struggles, whether it be with the gospel or to help the assembly, there are still those, and there would be at every meeting if there's no place else to go? Did you catch that man? There would help at every occasion, but nothing else to do. But that's not the way God's to be there. God means us to put our heart into it god means us to value the occasion when he's working and there were those who put their heart and soul into the battle and there were others and they abode in the breaches they stayed by the streams of the river you see reuben you know right where well had cattle and that's why they stayed on the other side of jordan at the beginning. Now mind you, they promised faithfully that they would go over and fight in the land. And I believe they did that. I'm sure they did. But you see, now here's another battle. The men might brother, well said to themselves, well, you know, there's one thing sure. The men have things too good over there, but, you know, we have the Jordan between us and them. We're not too bad. Those boys over there made be getting so on, but after all, we have the Jordan between us. We're all right. And if we hadn't our captain, what would we do? Well, you know, you couldn't say anything for a man making you, sheep, so you couldn't. You know, the way some people look at me, you know. And the big society look the pick up me. And say, you know, man, you couldn't expect me. You couldn't possibly expect me to go to the meetings. For you know I have so much on hands and nobody to help me. You nearly feel like saying, it's a pity of you, dear brother. I'm sure you must be very, very poor. It's a pity that the Christians wouldn't help you or to even. For the poor man's a slave and he doesn't know it. It's hardly time to draw his breath. And she's misunderstanding the position altogether. And then you find that the battle is described the might of the chariots and the might of the enemy and the connection of the forces and then the will of the world, as I've already described. And then her God granted the victory. And as it were, the two contrasts of the end. For that woman who race, and Christ she may wrote, that came not to the help of the Lord against the matter. Oh dear soul, if there's one thing that's distressing, very sad, is when there are those who withhold their help when the battle of the Lord has to be fought. Always remember now, when you're reading the book of Judges, we may not reach the end of it, that the book begins with fighting the nations and the enemies. And the terrible business that the people that refuse to fight the enemy start to fight among themselves. And when you're coming to the end of the book, they are slaying one another, until they're nearly a tribe and i it. And sometimes when God's people are not fighting the enemy, they start to fight among themselves. And to use the force that you use against the enemy, against one another. And instead of being an encouragement to one another, they will practically annihilate one another. And that to me is very sad. Very sad. The man that's not engaged in advancing the kingdom of God is never one of the most difficult men to deal with in this world. Because, you see, he has forces and energies to spare, but he's using them in the wrong way. And he's not using them, using them for the right purpose. But I want us to say, just at the finish of this, because it's well to note the way these psalms end. Verse 31. So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the Son, when he goeth forth in his night, and the land had rest forty years. Maybe he didn't notice it. But in most of those songs of victory that we have in our Bible, the prophetic outlook begins to show itself when you come to near the end. Take, for instance, the song that I have hinted at already in the 15th chapter of the book of uh, Exodus. And how does it begin? How does it wind up? The Lord reigneth forever and ever. That is to say, the victory over the Egyptians... And over Pharaoh's host is a little picture
1: of the greater triumph
0: of the future, when the same power that put down Pharaoh's armies will put down the armies of the world, and the kingdoms shall be the Lord's in the future day. Now don't you see that the spiritual mind directed by the Holy Ghost turns the victory in the veil of the Kishon? Turns it into a prophetic So, So shall all thine enemies be scattered. And is there not a, a link between Megiddo and the battle of Armageddon? Is there not a link between the armies gathered here in opposition to the Lord and those great forces of earthly armies that will be gathered in the future around Jerusalem? To do exactly what Sisera and his forces intended to do? And will it not equally be true that the great army leader, the first beast of Revelation chapter 13, will be taken at the battle and will be slain? And the cry will raise again, All oh, my enemies, this letter. All oh, my enemies, this letter. Great to remember that Jesus shall reign. Where'er the sound of his successive journeys run, his kingdom stretch from shore to shore, the moon shall wax and wane no more. You say, now what is that to do with people in winter? Sure, we are not worried about future events at all. Well, I'm not saying, you should be worried. But I wonder can we turn in our way of thinking those mighty experiences that God grants us in our private life, into such a thought that they're little portents of future victory for the Lord who gives us the victory now. Now you say, explain that for you're very confusing, but I don't want to be. Take your conversion, brother. Take your conversion. Wasn't there a necessity to smash the powers that resented Christ's power in your life? Wasn't there a day, a time, when the power of Christ subdued you? Now, I don't mean these cases that hold up their power, or make a promise or something like that. I'm talking about conversions now. You need to do that these times. Near that up! Come down like saw of tarsus in the presence of Christ and trembled under his mighty power! And was Paul's conversion not in some measure a little picture of the future when the power of that risen Christ overcame him and he subdued and repented and got saved. What does that mean? It there was a new power operating, a new man in control. Mind it, you your soul, if there's been a real conversion, there's a new power in control. I, bow me to thy will, O God, all I wear the door, and every day I live, I seek to please thee more and more. Remember, dear young believer, the secret of success about will. Remember, you older men, watch you don't let self-will be. you. For the great text of the book of Judges is, Every man did that which was right in his own hand. And when they got time to do what they wanted to do, they did the wrong thing. There's some men and they're always worried because they can't get doing what they want to do. Maybe if they did get doing it, it would be the wrong thing when they'd have it done. When they got their own way, it was the wrong way. So you need to watch that your own way wouldn't turn out to be the wrong way. So shall all thine enemies establish.